Howdy, Howlers. A couple quick warnings to get you started here today. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. We will be doing some bloody damn cursing. Don't be a pixie. <laughs> and wear your earmuffs, I guess. Uh, <laughs> second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising series. We're going to talk about everything that ever happens in these books at that, any time. That's true. Everyone who dies... Everyone who lives, <laughs> all the kids that are born. We also uh, want to tell you where you can find us on social media. At HowlerPod, H-O-W-L-E-R-P-O-D. That is on Instagram, Twitter. We have a new Etsy shop if you want to buy some cool swag. I'm currently wearing our coolest Howler hat. It looks amazing. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> we also have a Facebook page if you'd like to check that out. And now... Howlerpod. Amazing the power you have when you're bloody up to the sleeves. And none of it is your own. Hello, Howlers. This is Howlerpod. My name is Ben Reinert. I am joined today by my co-host, Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers. Of course, Howlerpod is the one and only podcast for all things red rising where every week we dive deep to break down celebrate and discuss all aspects of the fantastic red rising series by pierce brown uh today we will be talking about golden sun chapters 12 through 16 and this is exciting this is a pretty fun set of chapters let me tell you the first thing that we need to figure out is uh what actually happened let's load up the star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries i really hope we don't shit our suits i i also hope that we actually get to read that sequence today right i think that's next that's next episode week. okay all right part two you want to start it off ben i'll do it uh part two break chapter 12 blood for blood Darrow returns to the gala gala <laughs> and walks directly to the Bologna table uh, during the middle of a speech from the sovereign so he's gained everybody's attention he leaps on top of the Bologna table and challenges Cassius to a duel after like shitting all over the Bologna <laughs> my honor has been besmirched <laughs> the sovereign thinking Cassius the better sword allows the duel to take place and declares it to be to the death uh, just before the duel starts, Darrow speaks with Augustus and kind of plants the idea of an open rebellion against the Sovereign in his mind. He gets real excited about it. Uh, the duel starts and Cassius is on the attack while Darrow's defending himself. After Cassius's uh, initial onslaught, Darrow reveals that he's been secretly training with Lorne uh, Arcos. Wow. Wow. And then he proceeds to systematically cut Cassius to ribbons pretty much after that. And he's uh, also just doing his best to insult the Bologna family the entire time. He's like, is this the power you have? <laughs> You're just going to watch him die? Basically just calls everybody bitches. Yeah. Then uh, just before he's about to kill Cassius, the, so the Sovereign stops the duel in order to save Cassius. She, Hypocrite. Yeah. She declares her word law. The Augustans argue uh, she cannot stop the duel. Some other gold families kind of join in in the shouting uh, yeah, and then Darrow goes after Cassius one more time, ends up cutting off his arm, and then he's about to kill him. Mustang steps in. Darrow finally gets a hold of himself, and then pretty much all hell breaks loose. Chaos fighting gold families all over the place, and then 
the Bologna's attempt to attack Darrow, but his buddies like Tactus, Victra, step in and uh, start defending him. They they fan it, they fight off some of the Bologna's, and then uh, Mustang is stuck with the Bologna kind of sovereign side. Daryl's trying to get to her. It's like yelling Mustang. She's just like, I'm okay, dude. Go help my dad. And he's like, Oh, okay, yeah, she's got it. And then uh, the Augustans retreat uh, along with Darrow, and then Karnas sees them kind of falling back, and he makes one last charge to go after Darrow. And Leto steps forward to engage him, but he's struck by a tranquilizing dart from that fucking guy, the Jackal. Sneaky. And he's left defenseless as Karnas fucking chops his head off. (laughs) (laughs) And Augustus is like, no! No! (laughs) All right, chapter 13. Mad dogs. Darrow and all the Augustans uh, leave Mustang behind, and they flee the top of the spire. And remember, it's like a long way down because I have to take right. this elevator thing. Big lift. Uh, so everyone's smiling and like all high on adrenaline because they finally have a reason to use their fighting skills. Like, why have all this power if you can't use it against somebody? Right. So while they're descending, they're seeing families hunting other families, and Daryl realizes that there's other rivalries besides Bologna and Augustus. Um, he sees people wiping out entire fam- families, including their children, and they, like, stomp on their heads. It's a little dark right there. It's a little creepy. <laughs> um, even Tactus is like, what the fuck? So then everyone's looking to Darrow as the leader, and he starts giving orders to the Lancers of House Augustus um, to protect uh, the Arch Governor. So when they reach the landing pads, they find that their ship is gone because mm. Sneaky Octavia cleared out the ships two hours before, meaning before the duel. Yeah, so she had plan. something planned. Then while they're standing there dumbfounded, basically, the Praetorians descend and it's like, okay, we're all about to die. And then the new Rage Knight, we find out, is Fitchner. Yeah, he's leading all those um, Praetorians. This whole scene is hilarious because Fitchner is the best. Then he tells the Augustans to return to their villas and uh, wants Darrow to come with him, and Darrow agrees not to resist. That takes us to Chapter 14, The Sovereign. Uh, So Darrow is brought to the Sovereign's room by Fitchner. There uh, he finds the Sovereign, Asia, all grimace. I say Aja. Aja. Yeah, I like that better, actually. Aja. Uh, and then the Sovereign's grandson, Lysander, is also there. And the Sovereign's basically like, why did you disobey me? Darrow explains why, and then he demands that ends up demanding that she apologize to him because she um, tried to go over the law, basically. Uh, he turns to leave, and the Sovereign then attempts to get him to join her side. Darrow refuses and goes to leave again, but is blocked by three stained obsidians. He's about ready to fight. And that's when uh, Lysander kind of steps in along with Finster, and they each attempt to convince him to join the Sovereign's side. Daryl listens for further, realizing he has no other options at this point. It's either pretty much agree or die. So he agrees, and then a mysterious brock box is brought into the room, and the Sovereign offers to play a game with Daryl. If he wins the game, he may request anything of her. If she wins, she gets the same. Daryl agrees, and the box is opened. Chapter 15, Truth. The oracles crawl out of the box and attach themselves to Darrow and Octavia's arms, sucking blood from their wrists and readying their tails to strike at any lie. And they're like going to inflict like the most amount of pain you can have without dying, basically. 
and they're like the creepiest, ugliest <laughs> yeah. things out of nightmares. So we learn a lot during this game as Octavia and Darrow ask questions back and forth. For instance, we find out that Darrow has trained with Lauren every morning between the Institute and the Academy. We also learn about some other facts like why Darrow invited Mustang into his circle and where Octavia's, you know, military outposts are, things mm -hmm. like that. So Octavia in this scene asks if Darrow knows who Ares is and his pulse quickens and then Aja can hear it and points it out. Yeah, that's really freaky. <laughs> but he like calms himself down and then Octavia thinks that Augustus is Ares. So Daryl relaxes because mm -hmm. he's like, she doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. Then Mustang enters the room during the game and Daryl saves his final question. For her ears. Did Octavia plan to allow the Bolognas to assassinate the Augustus family during the sixth course? She lies saying, no, I did not. Ooh. The Oracle strikes. That takes us to chapter 16, the game. So Fitchner immediately chops the Oracle off the Sovereign's arm. Uh, Mustang's pretty pissed off by the, so <laughs> the Sovereign's answer because she's been lied to. The Sovereign explains it was a necessity to lie to her. Uh, killing the Augustans would serve the greater good of the society and provide a fresh reminder to any gold wanting to challenge her power because her power is their fear. So Mustang tells the Sovereign she understands the logic, uh, but that it's her family being sacrificed, and that's kind of fucked up. The <laughs> yeah. Sovereign then uh, shows them images on the hollow of other attacks across the... On Venus. Yeah, across the solar system. She tells the Mustang that Augustus is responsible because he hanged the woman that inspired the Sons of Ares and has allowed them to thrive on Mars. And then by killing him, she explains the suns will fade and her power will no longer be in question, killing two birds with one stone. So Mustang does some, some good acting and then <laughs> agrees to let her kill her father. Woo! Yep. We did it. <laughs> that was uh, our chapter summaries for this episode. A lot that's going it's on. Escalating, as right. you can tell. So, Ben, what do you think the theme is yeah, for so these chapters? Now that we know what happened, let's tie them together. And we thought the theme for these chapters was power. Um, I got the power! Yeah, so there's a couple different places where we see this. Actually, a few different places. Uh, the first is kind of Darrow taking back his own power, taking back control of his place in the world. He challenges Cassius, changes the paradigm. Changes the paradigm. <laughs> and then uh, he also empowers Augustus and his house as well because uh, he's like you can be king of mars and all that stuff and everything the light touches right and then the jet we see this a little bit in the jackal he kind of uh he kills leto opening up a spot for him so he's kind of trying to get his own power back within his family and then obviously the ultimate symbol of power in the society octavia alun the sovereign she's flexing her her muscles throughout this these chapters she's like i am in charge i'm the queen of the world right so uh let's just start with with darrow yes uh, so he's taking his own power back do you want to read the the quotes that we had on that one sure so he says no one rises yet to challenge me perhaps they don't understand or perhaps they feel the force of me now and dare not to rise Rise, my son. <laughs> so this is um Darrow is the first to take action against Octavia mm -hmm. and there's been a lot of political tension up to this point and everyone can kind of see that she's 
getting a big head and staying on the throne longer than she should. Right. She is saying that her word is law and she has an inflated sense of power. So I think all the families that have noticed this, especially like the telemanises mm-hmm. and people who aren't on her good side, they're looking to Daryl like, oh, finally someone's stepping up and and yeah. challenging this. And then they immediately like replace her in their mind with him. Like, yeah. oh, he's in charge now. He exposes the cracks there for sure, especially when he just runs up. Like, I love how he just like stalks back in there and he's just like walking <laughs> through everybody and playing. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Right. Stop. He's like, you may not know me. <laughs> like a man with a plan. Yeah, it goes, my name, gentle lords and ladies, is Darrow Andromedus. My honor has been pissed upon and I demand satisfaction. Which is something that all the golds believe is like the ultimate truth right. is that you can defend your own honor. Yep. This is and that's what they always say about Darrow is like he's the, like the old iron gold type. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't stand for, you know, letting people walk over him basically. And he's a badass and now he can fight like Lorne. Right. I love the that. Willow way. He has a yeah, and like we were talking about during that duel, he has a really good line to Cassius, like once he's kind of revealed that he trained with Lauren, he's like, do you think I came here to be killed? Do you think yourself entitled to my life? No, Cassius. Came here to cut you down before your parents. Damn. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> That's just like mean. <laughs> like, I'm going to kill you, and I'm not just going to kill you. I'm going to kill you in front of your parents. And they're going to be super sad. Yeah, and uh, his mom's already, like, losing her mind. Oh, yeah, and he's just like, there's nothing you can do about it. Right. <laughs> so then, uh, moving on to your next point about how Darrow not only is putting himself in a place of power, but he's also lifting Augustus and his house up with him. Mm-hmm. And he, he plants that seed um, in Augustus by saying, the quote, how long will you keep the sovereign's favor? Look how she favors Cassius. Look how she steals your child, meaning Mustang. Your time as arch governor will end. Let it, for you are not a man fit to be arch governor of Mars. You're a man fit to be king of it. <laughs> I love that line. I love this whole exchange because the next part that we have around this same conversation is my master's eyes ignite like the dormant colt breathed upon slowly, then all at once. I have him. And then he's saying, like, once they do that incantation where he's, like, cutting his cheek and they do the blood exchange or whatever. Some <laughs> like wipes it on his face. He's like, rise, goldenborn. Rise, rise, Iron Maid. Rise, man of Mars, and take with you my wrath. Rise, my son. <laughs> That's like Augustus's only lines. Right. Is saying rise. Right. <laughs> He loves that really dramatic. I think w- if, if and when they do a show, like the audition for Augustus should just be saying the word rise. <laughs> Can you come in and please say the word rise? Okay, thank you. Rise! <laughs> <laughs> uh, pass. We're looking for a little more rise on that one. Can you say that one more time? <laughs> so yeah, Darrow has basically pulled Augustus back to his side away from Pliny because mm. it's really a tug of war. Uh, for Darrow to prove to Augustus that he's not a pixie who gets pissed on, but mm-hmm. he's actually like a revolutionary giant in the gold's eyes that can take the power for Augustus. Right, yeah, he kind of awakens all that old, like we were talking about, ironborn 
gold, iron gold type stuff within Augustus because you know he loves that shit. Like, well, and Darrow's feeding off of his pride because he knows that right. that he thinks he's better than Octavia, so he's just feeding into that lie. Right, and that like electricity that Darrow puts into the room immediately when he like does, he challenges Cassius, he fights him off and all that stuff. It not only gets into Augustus, it really gets into all the Lancers, all the Praetorians that he has, like his entire house there. Because after that, you know, they're fighting all the other golds off and it gets super intense. And then they have that little breather where they're going down the lift that you had talked about. And they're all just like smiling and like... They're like jacked up. Yeah. <laughs> like even though they're like uh, Lance, Lancer leader, what's it yeah. called? Um, is dying. They're yeah. like, whatever, it's great. Yeah, like <laughs> giggling and like all covered in blood. And Tactus has like a hole through him. That <laughs> yeah. whole scene is funny. Yeah. But he's he's stoked, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what, this is uh, Daryl quoting. He says, this is what it's like being the alpha, the primus. The others look to you for guidance. They can smell the tangy odor of blood on you before it's even there. Age doesn't matter. Experience doesn't matter. All that matters is that I provide these six sons of bitches with fresh kills. <laughs> yeah. Basically, they just want to kill people. They're all murdering. Yeah, and he's like, com- by the end of that, he's completely restored his place within the house. Like, right before the Praetorians show up, they can all see them flying in. Mm-hmm. Fitchner's coming, and they're like, oh, fuck, well, we're dead. Right. Because, yeah, the Praetorians could just, like, shoot yeah. one thing at him. And well, it's like a die. whole, I mean, it's like a whole regiment or Armada, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And that's when Augustus, like, kind of, he sees that coming in. He's like, Daryl, you're with me. Like, you protect me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the most important. You brought me here. Don't let me die. (laughs) So that was all how Daryl was lifting up the house of Augustus and mainly the person, Augustus. Right. Kind of restoring their power and empowering the people within the house to, to do their thing. So next, it's Octavia... And how she's showing her power over all the other golds, which mm-hmm. um, isn't really how it's supposed to go. Yeah, not not supposed to do that. All right. So the quote from this point is from Daxo Delamanas. Delamanas. <laughs> My sovereign, even your words cannot change law. Your father discovered this by your own hand, no? But young Telemanus, you failed to remember. My word is law. <laughs> what? That was a massive flex by Octavia. There, <laughs> in front of everyone. Yeah. And that you can tell everyone's like, like, what? Whoa. Yeah, you're not supposed to do that. You know, um, Key and Peel. I said, I said, <laughs> bitch. That's what they all said. It was definitely that. <laughs> so that was like the main quote of her doing that. But throughout this whole thing, we realized that she brought all the golds to this gala basically to enforce her power more by letting Bologna kill the Augustans and therefore supplanting her power more firmly on Mars by right. putting Bologna in charge. And instill fear in all the other families that want to get ideas about right. doing anything. <laughs> They're like, remember when we blew up Rhea? Right. Like, this is part two of that. We're wiping out families here. Right, right. The Sovereign is also involved, you know, in her conversations with Darrow. So they have their whole interaction basically is a power struggle from beginning to end. They're each trying to get a one up on each other the trying entire to time. Yeah. Out flex. There was also a really cool moment, like when Daryl shows up 
at her, I'm not sure if it's her room or whatever, but. Yeah, wherever they're sitting. The way he describes it, he says, I stand before her. She sits on a couch by a fire. Everything is Spartan, hard, cold, a gold woman of iron and stone. All this drabness as if to say she needs not luxury or wealth, just power. So she's got this like really plain room. There's nothing there, no luxuries or anything Mm -hmm. like that. That's how old she is. I mean, that's like how uh, obsessed with power she is and how iron gold she is. It makes me think of the movie like 300. Yeah. And, you know, the way they live. And Yeah, it's n- nothing Spartan. satisfies her except for her power. Mm-hmm. It Killing doesn't matter. other people. Right. <laughs> so this is Darrow, his internal thoughts when he sees Octavia sitting there with her power. He says, unbreakable, ageless. That is the problem. She will cling to power for far too long. Right. And she's like 100, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, yeah, I think she's at least that old. Bitch is old. And then, yeah, and then Daryl tries to leave, and this is the part where our Lysander and Fitchner are trying to get him to to help out, or trying to help out and get him to join the sovereign side. And Lysander says to Darrow, "If you fight, then you die, because you make the mistake of believing righteousness puts you beyond my grandmother's power." And Daryl responds, "It does." And then he says, Lysander says. Reaper, there is no place beyond her power. I felt like you were really gracious in the way you read Lysander. Because when I read Lysander, I'm like, Darrow, there is no place beyond her power. Like there he's a little bitch. There is no place beyond her power. Darrow, I'm dainty and I have small wrists. I actually like Lysander in these chapters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like imparting my future knowledge of Lysander. Him being a s- onto huge brat. Onto current Lysander. Yeah. Well, he's like a dainty, rich little kid. Right. Who's very smart, obviously. Yeah, he knows what's up. I mean, he's obviously been taught well. I just feel like his voice would sound more like my rendition. <laughs> <laughs> we can edit your voice in instead of okay, mine. Okay. Um, and then he's also just so doted on, especially by Aja, who's like, a panther that kills everyone. Yeah, that was a really cool description of her, I thought. Yeah, but Aja says, um, he never lies. None of us do. Lies are rust on iron, a blemish on power. Mm-hmm. But they're so like full of themselves saying they never lie, but then they're lying all the time. Right, that's exactly what Darrow says in it's his so mind. It's so hypocritical. Yeah, he says, peop- power they're so drunk on, they can't even remember how many lies they stand upon. Tell my people you don't lie, you brutish bitch, <laughs> and see what they do to you. That's it right there. Like, they're literally, they have power because of all their lies. But Aja can sit there and say, we never lie. We don't lie about anything. It's like, like so hypocritical. Actually. Yeah. And what Aja believes is also false because I'm sure Octavia is even lying to her. Oh, like, yeah, she's probably. She's lying left and right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and then. Octavia actually, once she gets caught lying, she has to explain to Mustang like why like it's I lied. Ne- it's necessary, right? And that's when that's what we talked about when she um, tells us that it's necessary that her power uh, is fed by people's fear. So she says, forty years ago, in the first year of my reign, the moons of Saturn rebelled. The war did not end until I destroyed the moon Rhea outright. Fifty million dead. That is how stubborn our race is. They know how difficult it is for me to flex my hand billions of kilometers from the core, but still they are afraid. 
So much of a ruler's reign is a figment of the people's imagination. My power isn't ships, isn't praetorians. My power is their fear, but they must have fresh reminders. Damn, yeah. that was what the gala was going to be. <laughs> a fresh reminder. Right, and so you can, can see, kill everybody. right, you can see this theme of power just woven throughout these chapters. We have it with Darrow, um, and then him empowering his house. And then you can also see it's really evident, obviously, with Octavia. She is the ultimate symbol of power in the society. And this this set of chapters is all about her using that power and reinforcing it. And they even have power over the media. Because she says when the suns are killing everyone on Venus and um, everything, they said it's a code blue or whatever, um, that they shut down all media. So, like... They can weave their own lie that like nothing's happening. Right. You know? Yep. And then they just don't show any of that and kill everybody, basically. Yeah. (laughs) It's a really cool system. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Good reform. So that's uh, this week's theme is power. So let's uh, let's move on to our next segment, the Prime Five. And the Prime Five is five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. Boom. You get to take the first one. Okay. Go. I, my favorite people in these books are the biggest people. <laughs> so the Telemannus family is like the best family. Yes. Obviously. We all know that. Um, but we get to know Pax's family a little more, which is cool. Because mm-hmm. um, you kind of see like, you know, why he was screaming his name all the time and mm-hmm. stuff. So Daxo, Pax's eldest brother, He's bald with engraved golden angels on his head. So it's like the physical description of him, which I thought was hilarious. Yep. And then Kavax has some good quotes in here. He has some great words. Yeah. <laughs> because he's like huge and like obnoxious looking. He's got the pointy beard and a f- he's always holding a fox. But he like speaks, you know, like a scholar. Yeah. So <laughs> he says, perfidy. Kavax, Daxo's father, roars. He alternates stroking his forked red beard and the large pet fox he cradles in his left arm. This reeks of perfidy and favoritism. My temper is slow, but I find myself offended. <laughs> offended! Offended! <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely pointing a finger in the air. And then um, a little further down the line of these chapters, <laughs> he sees someone he knows like joining the Augustus crew. Right. And he says, Rapscallion! <laughs> Cordovan, you rapscallion! <laughs> Kavax thunders, I thought you were a Bologna man! <laughs> so, it's just a good insight, I think, to Pax's upbringing. Yeah. To see the ridiculousness, but also endearing nature of his father. Yeah, the Telemosses are awesome. They're badass. Okay. The next one on our Prime 5. This is something I noticed and I just thought I wanted to point it out because I thought it was kind of interesting. So when the Oracle box is brought out, when the box with the Oracles in it is brought out and presented, uh, just before it's opened, Darrow asks if he wins and asks for the head of Cassius. Uh, The Sovereign's like, I'll give it to you, right? And so then we're talking about a head. We've got a box here. And then uh, the Sovereign says yes, and then Darrow makes a reference to Fitchner right after that. Like, literally right after that, he says, Fitchner has no idea what's in the bloody damn box, and then it opens. And so this is like the ending of the book right here. Right. What's (laughs) in the box? Yeah. (laughs) And it says, like, Fitchner has no idea what's in the bloody damn box. I didn't catch that. But also I was thinking, shouldn't Fitchner know what's in it? Because we learn in the next chapter 
he refused to play with Octavia. He refused to yeah. play that game with Octavia. So I'm not sure if the box never got taken out. But anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting, like a little foreshadowing. Like of the box. What's in the box? Do you guys know what's in the box? If you don't, stop <laughs> listening because of spoilers. Exactly. We promise reading these books is more enjoyable than listening to this podcast. <laughs> and then listening is even more enjoyable oh, yeah. after reading the books. Mm-hmm. So, so speaking of Fitchner, the Rage Knight, mm-hmm. that's one of our prime five is just Fitchner because he's so <laughs> yeah. hilarious. Um, it's good to have him back. There's like so many lines and quotes throughout this part where he like lands with all the Praetorians and they're like, show yourself, knight. Who are you? It says that the rage knight falls from the sky, and I laugh in his face. Fitchner's like, don't you recognize me, you little shit eater? <laughs> <laughs> and Darrow says, Fitchner, you look uglier than I remember. <laughs> and then Tactus, Fitchner, how nostalgic. <laughs> <laughs> Just like their whole, I won't read the whole thing, but their whole um, interaction is is hilarious. And then my favorite part is when Fitchner's like playing a game like like who should I talk to? And Augustus isn't like listening or surrendering basically. So right. he shoots him in the chest with a stun fist. Yeah. And he's like, he's who's like, next? Who's next? Yeah. The jackal steps forward, he goes, Hmm, not you. You're creepy. Yeah. <laughs> shoots him. <laughs> you're creepy. You're, nah, you're creepy. <laughs> shoots him. And then uh the is it Kavox or Daxo? That's like Okay, we, we know you want to talk to Darrow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> stop shooting everybody. I was just like, hmm, nope, you're creepy. Nope, <laughs> you're creepy. That's great. Uh, okay, it's and speaking good. of the Jackal, that takes us to our next one on the Prime 5 here. And that's uh, his acting at this moment when those children are being killed. Oh, yeah. And he's like, they're going down the lift together, and he's like, monsters. His, like, fake doughy eyes. And this is, like, Daryl's, like, holy shit, this dude is a sociopath. Like, And Daryl's, like, am I the only one who knows that he killed Leto? Yeah. Or is everyone too scared of him? Well, no, yeah, I don't think anybody else noticed. And Daryl, at that moment, is just horrified because he knows the jackal doesn't give a shit about those kids dying. Right. And his acting is just so good that... Daryl's like, holy crap. It like sends a cold chill down his spine, you know? And he says, I made a deal with the devil. Yeah, and I think that this should have been a more foreshadowing in this moment. Like, Daryl, you got to be thinking about this stuff. Like, this foreshadows his acting helping out Quinn. Which and we know was not helping. Yeah, he took that advantage of that moment, and he, you know, made it and worse. And Daryl's just like, yeah, you stay there. We'll trust you <laughs> with that. Even though you're clearly not trustworthy. And he has, like... Needles in his pocket, he can stick anybody with. Right, it's. I'd like lock him up immediately. Like keep your arms to your side. I know that, and that and that just makes it all the more frustrating that Daryl get lets himself kind of get caught there at the end with the jackal. You mean the other box? <laughs> yeah, the other box. So our final prime five, I think Ben <laughs> should do it, even <laughs> though everyone thinks it's amazing. It's the first set. It's first chapter, chapter 12, in this set of chapters. And it's just the amazing writing and yeah. paradigm shifting 
um, that is written in here in all the dialogue. This is just our weekly Pierce's Amazing Writer call out that and we do this scene, every episode. You get so jacked. I like, know. You know what I mean? I listened to it more than once. It's just amazing. Chapter 12 is that's probably one of my favorite chapters in the entire series. Just like singular chapters. That's so fun. This is, of course, the chapter where Darrow storms back into the Gala Gala and <laughs> calls out calls out Cassius and then they and then he reveals that has that moment where he like has been playing possum basically and he like straightens himself up he like stops breathing hard and he's like I've been training with Lauren bitch Cassius That's is what like he says. oh no yeah Cassius <laughs> is looking at his parents like really and there's also that there's like that whole exchange I talked about earlier with Darrow and Augustus where Darrow walks up to him and he's like, let me do this for you and you should be the king of Mars and how like jacked Augustus gets off that. And then they have like their exchange where I love that old exchange that they have, like the rise, like we were talking about, he calls him a man of Mars and then take with you my wrath. And then uh, there's also some good Mustang stuff in this chapter where she's like, Daryl realizes, you know, she can take care of herself. She has her own plans and stuff like that. Um, she also steps in and kind of saves him from really losing himself at that final moment and killing Cassius. Um, but I just love the whole chapter. It's just amazing. Like, Daryl talks about red meaning gold, and, like, this is kind of a thing that we've been building to ever mm-hmm. since Cassius and him fought the first time. He's finally able to return. He's and got his warm lessons, yeah. <laughs> and then he just takes him down. He says, I embarrass him, but it's all for a purpose, all to make that simmering hatred between Bologna and Augustus boil over into war. I just love him, like, stalking around, screaming at the Bolognas, like... Well, the best part is he's standing there with his foot on the, like, pitcher of wine, <laughs> yeah. and then he, like, pauses, and then just, like, Just dramatic pause. Yeah. <laughs> and it says Cassius explodes <laughs> up at him. <laughs> It'd be so fun, though, to, like, in real life... If someone's like talking shit on you and ruining your reputation, if you could just pour wine in their lap and then actually kick their <laughs> ass, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then um, obviously he like cuts off Cassius's arm, which is just his sword arm. It's just amazing. Like, I don't know. This is just such a great chapter. I read it multiple times for this pod. The episode before this. <laughs> I just went straight through all these chapters. Oh, yeah. When he's like... I could not stop. Right. When he's like going back into the gala. You have to read it. And then the chapter ends. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and I texted Ben and I was like, I'm not stopping. <laughs> yeah. Like, screw it. I did the same thing. I was like, yep, I've already read it. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just going to read this a few times. It's just so exciting. Right. So thanks for the cool writing, Pierce. Yep. Great job, Pierce. That's a job. one of the best chapters in the entire series is what I would say. All right, now that we've done our Prime 5, it's time to move on to our Primus of the Week. This is obviously uh, the one character who conquered our Proctors of Pot and rose above the rest. Our Primus of the Week this week is... Darrow, ah, Andromeda. Good job, Darrow. I mean, this one's pretty obvious. Well, like we just said, Chapter 12 really kind of turned his uh, path around. Right. He wins the duel with Cassius, reveals to everybody that he's badass Razor Master, 
Right. Uh, also plays the game with the sovereign and gets her to lie. She's never lost. Right. I mean, that's a pretty good set of chapters. He pretty much shows everyone up. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say the runner-up is Fitchner just because he's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> he gets, the, he gets the silver medal this week. He does. Yeah, I don't think we need to, to discuss that one much <laughs> further. It's pretty pretty easy, pretty simple. Primus of the week is Darrow. Uh, I was thinking if, uh, if we said Pierce was the Primus of the week, then he'd just be all always the Primus because all these characters are him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's all-time Primus. The Arch Primus. Now, do you know what it's time for, Aaron? What are we into this week? Do you want to go first on this one? Sure. So, if you like podcasts, <laughs> and if you like true crime, and if you like hearing about sociopaths, <laughs> such as the Jackal, <laughs> a good uh, series to listen to and to kind of binge listen is called Dirty John. And it's about uh, this guy named John Meehan, and it's a true story, and he's a sociopath, he's a con artist, he's kind of just evil, and it follows his interaction with this one family, and he kind of like ruins everyone's lives. Oh, wow. And then um, you find out throughout this podcast that he's been terrorizing uh, mostly women his whole life and like stealing their money and using his abs and his good looks to like marry abs. yeah he has abs <laughs> that's like a main he like uses steroids like he's like a 60 year old with a six pack oh wow know, but um it's it's really good and like the more you listen to it the more you're like this guy's so fucked up <laughs> and then by the end it's just a great ending nice so, i had not heard of that i'll have to check it's called out. dirty john nice okay cool uh i'm gonna recommend some music this week it's a band that has a pretty weird name. It's called Kruangbin, I think <laughs> is how you say it. It's K-H-R-U-A-N-G-B-I-N. Uh, it's like, I think it's Thai. So this is a, a band. They have a, a new album out called Contodo El Mundo. It's super good. I love it. I uh, love to play it when I'm like working on things because that they don't have very many lyrics. It's mostly like just instrumental. Their kind of style of music is like 60s Thai pop apparently and then they add in like beats and there's kind of like some surfer style guitar playing that kind of thing it's really good I just love putting it on listening to it in the background it's kind of funky it's real fun it's pretty chill so whenever I'm like working on our podcast outline or something like that I often throw this on nice uh, because it's good like background music and it's also just a great album so probably good reading music too yep it is really good reading music uh Kruang Ben Contodo Umundo. It's <laughs> a good one. All right. What are we doing next episode? Next episode, <laughs> we are doing chapters 17 through 21. That's in your Golden Sun books. Golden Sun. Yes, we are <laughs> under book two. And guess what? Shit escalates further. This is going to get even more intense. Yeah. More <laughs> exciting. Don't forget also, Howlers, to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy... Yeah, check out that Etsy shop. There's some pretty cool yeah. shit in there. It's it's pretty cool. Aaron worked really hard on that. And um, yeah, so get your merch. Hashtag merch. Follow content. us on, on <laughs> social media. And At H-O-W-L-E-R-P-O-D, Hallerpod. And then also, you know, rate and review us. Oh, yeah. Five stars only. If you're not, you're a slagging pixie, and we don't want you. <laughs> exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. We are going to jackal you and shoot you with a tranquilizer <laughs> dart. 
And chop your head and off. And let Karnas chop your head off. <laughs> <laughs> Is that too violent? <laughs> no. I think it's just a little bit of a threat. It's fine. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Howlers. Omnis Verlupus. Oh! oh.